in another state, in another time, probably a couple decades ago, there was a young lady who was searching for that well. You see, she had been um, growing up in a family, um, had a lot of siblings who were younger than her, and they all had to deal with um, physical abuse, verbal abuse, and it's a struggle the family dealt with. Sometime when she was in her 20s, um, the, the state realized what was going on, and the, the, at the time, the solution was seen as placing the, the kids in foster care. However, she was too old for foster care, but she didn't know where she would go, what would happen with her, and a Christian family knew her, loved her, and said, you know what, as you're figuring out things, why don't you come live with us? We'd be glad to have you. And so she went in to the family, and as she was figuring things out, she experienced incredible love, patience, and she began to see an understanding of there was a new kind of way of doing family, a new way of, of living. And at one point, as she recognized this new family was different so much in the way they lived than her old family, that she wanted more. And though she was in her 20s, she's like, I love you guys. I want you to adopt me. And they talked about it, laughed a little bit because of her age, but she went through the legal steps to change her name. They went through the legal steps where she would be an official part of the family and be an heir. And as she experienced this new kind of family, as they experienced a new person in their family, growth really began to happen. But at one point, as they were having a, a family discussion about how to do things, and that some of the things that she was doing kind of clashed and collided with the current family culture. So they talked about it. And so the dad around the kitchen table began talking about um, things that they may need to adjust um, to function well as a family. And as she perceived this conflict that was coming her way, she just froze and just wouldn't say a word and just was silent. And the dad realized, ooh. And so he's like, it's okay, we'll talk about it later. And so at a later time, um, they talked again and as they had a really deep conversation, she recognized that as she saw conflict coming, she's used to, in her family of origin, saw that that ended in violence. And so she froze. And then as she expressed that, the dad's like, I need to grow. I need to be aware of your past as we have these kind of discussions. And I promise that in my growth, I'll do my best to do better in our communication. But he said also, I want to challenge you to grow too and to recognize that as we live in life, there will be conflict. But I want you to recognize in our family, these kind of discussions will always end in love and not violence and for you to hang on to that fact and, and learn that as you live life. And so they cried and, and laughed and, and grew. 
and continued to grow. The fact is, all of us have have a past behind us that's not perfect, but the incredible thing is that we all have this opportunity and that we have a heavenly father who wants to adopt all of us and wants to bring us into his family, a family of love and acceptance, still with conflict, still with problems, but a family that has a perfect heavenly father, unlike all our families in this earthly existence. You see, we have this opportunity to be adopted into a new humanity. We have an opportunity to change our identity, an identity that was old, to change that to be part of a new humanity. And we can have a new father to be a child of the king. You see, the Heavenly Father wants us all to be part of his family. And an incredible thing throughout scriptures and looking at this transition that Christ makes available to us, often water is used in that metaphor. And Kelly, you may remember a few years ago, just did an amazing job of explaining water in some capacities that are presented in Scripture. And we recognize, as Jesus met the woman at the well in John 6, there's an example of teaching about water and its significance. But that wasn't the first time that the Hebrews were hearing about water and its significance. You see a, a Hebrew person growing up many times, every year during the Passover, would be invited to come and take part at the table and hear the stories of God intervening in their family history. And the major story that is told is about a time hundreds of years earlier where the people, the Hebrew people, were all in bondage and slavery to the Egyptians. And for 400 years they prayed, they cried out, God, deliver us. And through that time period, God heard. And God sent a deliverer, Moses, to rescue them from the bondage of the Egyptians. And as they fled, they came to a body of water, the Red Sea. And as they came to this body, God parted the water and they went through. And as they went through, left behind was the bondage of Egypt and ahead left the promised land where they were promised a place to be, a place to live, a place to be the new humanity that God was creating and preparing hearts for. And as during this each Seder meal, as the story was repeated and repeated for hundreds of years, reminding of the story, the people knew of the separation of Egyptian slavery plus modern times. But then, during the time of Jesus, as Jesus taught and shared about the water that was available, this living water, as John the Baptist taught, come to the Jordan River, repent, and be baptized. This idea of water continued to grow to an understanding of what was available. 
I'm going to read a couple passages. One's Matthew 28, and then I'll read from Acts 2. Matthew 28. Here's a passage that's often called the Great Commission. As Matthew records, these are the last words of Jesus before ascending into heaven. And it's a commission to all of us of what do we need to do now as the physical form of Jesus leaves us? What do we need to be about? And Jesus answers that question. And then Jesus came to them and said, All power in heaven and on earth is given to me. So go and make followers of all the people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have taught you. And I will be with you, I will be with you always, even until the end of this age. So here, water once again. And in the midst of teaching them to obey everything I have taught you, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, Luke is sharing the good news of what Peter was sharing. In 37, he says, when the people heard this, they felt guilty because Peter had just completed a, a message telling about the wonders of Jesus and his teaching and then his crucifixion. They felt guilty and asked Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, change your hearts and lives and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children and all who are far away, it is for everyone the Lord our God calls to himself. Peter warned them with many other words. He begged them, save yourselves from the evils of today's people. Then those people who accepted what Peter said were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number of believers that day. They spent their time learning the apostles' teaching, sharing, breaking bread, and praying together. So you may be wondering, why? Why is getting dunked underwater part of this process? Why is that so important? Why is that needed? I remember a time back in 83. Um, I went to church camp for the first time. I was a young teenager. Actually, I was 16. Yes, a young teenager. And as I was there, I, I heard the message I've heard before. But at that time, I decided to not only hear it, but act on it. And I committed my life to Christ at that time. And when I came home, I told my family and told my church family. They hugged me and said that was great. But then as I met with the pastor, a time was set up to do a baptism. And the little country church I was from, we did not have a baptistry. There was no large river nearby. And so the practice of my little church was to go to the little stream that was so small, it did not have a name. And usually it dried up during the summer. But by the time of September and the rains that were coming, there was a little trickle. And a farmer in the church who had a backhoe would drive his tractor there, and if there was a baptism, he would dig a hole. 
in the creek near a, a little flat spot um, not too far from the church. And after a couple days, it would fill up enough with water to do a baptism. And that's what happened. And I remember it well as um, um, I have on my shorts and my T-shirt and I walk into the strange little hole of water um, by the church and I was dunked under the water. And I remember my church family who were there. Um, it was after the, the regular worship service as we walked down to the little creek. And it was a very special time. And as that happened, a lot of things happened. It created a memory in my mind. I had a memory of, of at church camp, but also had this memory of my baptism. And this memory is sticking with me um, as I recognize that I made a public profession um, to my church family that I am a follower of Christ. And I remember years after that in 1989 in December, it was a cold day. Um, but it was a day that we had chosen ahead of time um, for marriage. So Lisa and I, on December 16th, 1989, we came to this little church, our same church, and, oh, it was cold. And it was a bad day in a lot of ways. Not the wedding part of it, um, but it was, cold. it was below zero. The high was below zero that day. And right before that was a heavy snowstorm. That day of our wedding, the minister totaled his car, he was okay, but he totaled his car on the way there. Um, people struggled to, to get there. In fact, one of the biggest clumps of people who actually made it to the wedding were my Purdue buddies because it was after finals week and they were ready for an adventure. And so they traveled from all over to come down. Um, and it was kind of funny. People who came the long, farthest, you know, were there. But most people who were sane stayed at home that day because it was a bad day. But as, and, and I remember I was so nervous, um, we took pictures um, before and afterwards, and we did them outside in the snow, and it, it was below zero. And so we were out about 10 minutes taking pictures in the snow, and I just had on my tux, and when I came in, I realized I was burning up. I was so hot. My hands and my face was red with heat because of, I, I was so nervous. Um, but one thing I clearly remember during the ceremony is we said our vows and then we shared rings with each other. And the minister said some words that I don't remember at this time. Um, but I remember he talked about the rings and about what they stood for. And I'm still wearing the same ring now. And I remember that this ring did not make us married but this ring is, speaks to me now that I'm married. It speaks to people who see this ring that I married. You see, it was the ceremony itself, it was the commitment that we made that time as we shared it with others that made the marriage. And what we practice today as we deal with life and, and loving each other, that's the marriage. But this is a constant reminder of that. Baptism in itself doesn't just save us. We get, when we take a bath or a shower or go to the swimming pool, that doesn't save us. 
See, there's this redeeming work that Christ did on the cross. That redeeming work of the cross opened up this way so that we can have life, abundant life, and have it forever with Christ. That's the redeeming work that happens. The symbols of baptism are powerful and they're real and they represent a lot more than just getting wet, but they point us to a risen savior and that risen savior who takes us not from a bondage of slavery from Egypt, but a bondage of slavery to sin. And that as we pass through those waters of love, of faith, of living water, and we cross to the other side, that old life we leave behind. And that new life and that new promise is what lies ahead. And so we have this opportunity to embrace that. And so a question for all of us this morning is where are we at in understanding of this incredible glyph, this incredible gift that's available for us? You see, as we are offered opportunity to go from old life to new life in Christ, of passing through the water, it's an invitation for us to begin a journey it's not a destination within itself. And so for you this morning, have you considered committing all that you've got to the task of understanding that cross, of committing ourselves with an understanding of the salvation that is available to us through the work of the cross and what Christ has done? Because it's not an action of of baptism. It's not an action of receiving communion together. It's an action of the cross that we're invited to participate, to come to the table together with that's so critical. And so for you this morning, have you come to the table? Have you passed through the waters? Or is it something that you've seen, you know that it exists, but you haven't made that step to truly commit all that you've got to the Savior. That opportunity is available now. Or maybe you've done that, but you haven't followed through with baptism that Christ calls us to do. That's an opportunity that's available for all of us. An opportunity to tell the world, to let others know that yes, I've committed my life and I'm proud of it, and I want everyone to know maybe you need to follow through with that. Or maybe you're just not sure. You're not sure about a lot. You've had these stirrings within, and you don't know kind of how to label them, but you feel them as the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. I don't want you to just let that go. I want to challenge you to listen to the Spirit and be willing to take the courage to be obedient to who God is calling you to be in your ultimate calling. At the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for people to respond. That's one opportunity. I would love to chat with you about these things and what it means. 
I would love to make an appointment with you if you want to talk in great detail about things. I would love for that to happen. Or maybe this week or any time you're, you're stirring and you're feeling the Spirit speaking to you, call me up. I would love to have a chat about what's going on in here and what the Spirit is speaking to you about. The important thing is don't just feel this stirring within and then walk away from it. Follow through with who God is calling you to be, what God is calling you to do. It is a decision you will never regret. It won't take away all the pain in your life. It won't remove future problems that you will have to face. But Christ will be walking with you every step as he is calling you to be a disciple, as he is calling you to be a person who leaves that which is behind and embraces that what is new. So yes, very much like the 20-something the who was at the beginning of, of my message, experienced a new way of living and new life and changed her identity and changed her name to match her new life. The same is available for all of us as we not only feel God's presence, but we embrace and commence out of love. Eric's coming up and we are going to think about that. And I just want to ask you, are you all in? Are you committed all in? Whatever next step is for you this morning, whatever next step the Spirit is calling you to take, take courage and take that step. And don't let time leave you behind as you're still thinking and, and wondering. Take that step in courage. Be all in. Father, as we listen to your spirits, help us to be the people of courage that you call us to be. Sometimes it is so difficult to leave what we know. We can be uncomfortable or become comfortable with the yuck that's in our past, in our history, we can learn to be just used to it. But God, help us to understand there's, there's more, that you want so much more for us than to be comfortable in an old life. God, help us to learn what it means to be in your presence every day, pursuing you, loving you, being challenged by you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.